I had my Santa Claus hat on at the door, thinking that would kind of replace those that had the urge to go to the Santa Claus parade. Not sure that worked. Did you know Pearlie Palmer? You're a Fredericktonian, you should know him. Pearlie the Magician, as he was known to many folk. He was a Marysville boy. We grew up together and went to school right here in town together. He went to be with the Lord just, a, just, a, just before Christmas last year. Maybe some of you know his story, but he became a grocer. But as a young man, he started a hobby of simply doing magic tricks. He would perform these tricks for children or any other interested person who entered the store where he worked. As a matter of fact, his boss was very pleased about this because it attracted customers in. Well, he got better and better at this until later years of his life, he became a popular entertainer at the city market. Maybe many of you have seen him there. And Tuesday evenings would find him at now closed Frank's Finer Diner and uh, just simply doing his magic. He also would, de- would do children's birthday parties and staff parties. And the city of Fredericton even declared July 13th, 2015 as Pearly Palmer Day. Back in 2009, when I was the, a pastor of a church just down the road in Barker's Point, that would be Corbett Avenue Wesleyan, we had him come as our entertainment to our church board Christmas party. And what a hoot it was. I mean, it was hilarious, but it was also mesmerizing. Trick after trick that Pearlie did left us scratching our heads. And comments like, impossible, were frequent. I remember one of our party, maybe you know him, Robin Rickard, his, his head is still spinning how about, how, uh, about how a missing toonie that he had taken from Robin ended up at the end of the evening under Robin's watch. Impossible, we all said. The most mind-boggling trick for me was the $20 bill that right in front of us he took and folded and folded and folded and folded and folded again and then he unfolded it. And when he unfolded it, it wasn't a $20 bill, it was a $100 bill. Now there's a trick I'd like to master. (laughs) How about you? I don't know about you, but I go into a grocery store and they turn in a $100 bill into a $10 bill and they do it very quickly, 10 minutes. Well, all through that performance, this is my point, Pearlie did things that all of us thought were impossible. Now, speaking of impossible, I want you to come with me now to Luke, this first Sunday of of the season of Advent. Advent. We're in the third book of the New Testament. Uh, That would be Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And this is not the Christmas story as we usually think of it. It's the pre-Christmas story. Now, the words will be on the screen, but I can't have you read with me this time because I'm going to read to you, and I'm going to stop often to make a comment. So you're ready to come with me now? Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, 
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in, Gad in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. You know there are people around us today who would read only that much and say, God sent an angel? Oh, come on, impossible. Because why? Because they put angels in the same classification as elves and, and fairies and hobbits and so on. So already, I just started the story, and some in our culture are saying, ah, come on, impossible. Back to verse 27. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Let me just stop there for a minute. A king born to a peasant? Oh, come on. And the world would say, what word? Impossible. Yes, they would. The next verse, 33, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And our culture hears that word never end, and they would say the word? Yes, they would. The Roman Empire lasts 503 years, but never end? Oh, come on. Impossible. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Did you notice that? At this point, even Mary is saying, oh, come on, this is impossible. The angel replied, the spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Now we're at the point where much of our culture says, oh, come on, a virgin birth, that isn't how it happens. And they would say the word? They do. Then the angel goes on, basically saying, impossible, you say? Verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Here it is, say it with me, for nothing is impossible with God. Say it again. Do you believe that? Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left here, left her, and the impossible happened. Songwriter Bill Gaither tried to express how unlikely, how unbelievable, and even how mesmerizing, how impossible all that I have just read to you really is. The lyrics of the song go like this. this See the virgin is delivered in a cold and crowded stall. Mirror of the Father's glory lies beside her in the straw. He is mercy incarnation. Travel at this miracle, for the virgin gently holds, the title of the song, the glorious impossible. And with the birth of the Christ child, a very long list 
of impossibles not only became possible, but became actuals. Let's just visit a few of the impossibles in the life of Jesus. Jesus left his father's carpenter shop, began his public ministry, and according to the scriptures, his very first miracle happened when he attended a wedding where he changed the water into wine. And I'm sure there were some wedding guests who said, I'm sure they were. They said, oh, come on. That was wine before he touched it. Sure they did. He touched blinded eyes. The man blind since birth and he could see. I'm sure someone in the crowd said, no doubt. He touched twisted and broken legs and they walked. Someone though in the crowd said, ah, come on, he was born like that because that's him. Yes. He fed 5,000 people from a little boy's lunch. Someone in the crowd had to say, well, some even thought it was impossible that a 12-year-old would give up his lunch, right? That could be too. And then he went to a funeral procession near the town of Nain, and he spoke, and thus the first walking dead man. But I'm sure someone there said the word. I'm sure they did. You know the story. Jealous religious leaders turned the tide of public opinion against him, and they crucified him. And he died. But the grave couldn't hold him. And on, that, on the misty dawn of that first Easter day, the stone was rolled away and the glorious impossible happened. He came out alive. Impossible, some say, but you and I know. What are those words again? Nothing is impossible with God. Say it. Absolutely. So now let's go back just for a few minutes and look at our story again. And what I want you to see today is some impossibles, some things that maybe even you think aren't really possible, but they are. And I want to mention just three, and here's the first. Here's the first. You are highly favored by God. Did you hear my words? You are. You are highly favored by God. Someone here probably is thinking, oh, I don't know if that's possible, not for me. It's not only possible, it's true. I go back to our story, and here's what we read. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. I like the way the New International Version translates this. It says it this way. Greetings, speaking to Mary, you who are highly favored. Now, someone here has to be thinking, whoa, Pastor John, let's just keep in mind here that these words were spoken to a very special lady, to the Virgin Mary, and she was highly favored. And I'll give you that, yes. She was chosen to give birth to the Christ, to the Messiah. She was, spoke, she was chosen to do a special task that none of you women here were required to do. But hear me when I say this. You are no less favored. No, you're not. No, you're not. But some people think, well, the words, if the translation says, the words highly favor, highly favored, doesn't that suggest that there are some people that are less favored? And doesn't that suggest that maybe there are some people among us that they're only slightly favored. 
And, and doesn't that suggest that maybe there are others that are not favored at all? Hear me. No. No. Absolutely no. Favor is just another word for grace. And grace is God's undeserved favor dispensed to all who receive it freely. You hearing me? And equally. Don't you see? If you're here tonight, you're one of God's highly favored persons. And God can favor you without having a favorite. Yes, he can. I believe there's someone here in this number tonight that needs to hear that. Probably there's someone in this room tonight that you've always kind of considered yourself as the black sheep of your family. Hear me. Not in God's family or not. In God's family, you, every person under the sound of my voice, you are highly favored. Maybe someone in this room tonight thinks, well... You, maybe you think you're out of favor with God because of some repetitive, habitual disobedience to God. Hear my words, not true. You are highly favored. Why do you think God's favor, which is God's grace, is called amazing? It is amazing. You are highly favored. There might even be someone here tonight that thinks that you are beyond the reach in my conversations with people, I often, much more often than you'd think, encounter people who think, ah, oh, Pastor John, if, if you knew, if you knew the person I am, if you knew the things that I have done, you would know that I'm not God's highly favored. Yes, you are. Every person here, you are highly favored. It was a while back when I watched the movie Road to Perdition. Maybe you saw that movie, starring Tom Hanks and Paul Newman. Newman plays mobster boss John Rooney, and Hanks is his loyal henchman and gunman, Michael Sullivan. In one gripping scene that takes place in a church basement, maybe you're wondering what are gangsters doing in the church basement, they thought that would be a good place to meet because no one would look for them there. Their uh, other mobsters who hated them and the law who hunted them wouldn't ever think of going to a church to look for them. So they're in, they're in this church basement and they're reflecting on the life, on their life of crime, uh, extortion, uh, prostitution rings, hired killings, ruthless murders. And Rooney, Paul Newman's character, says to Hank's character, this is the life we chose. This is the life we lead, and there is only one guarantee, none of us will ever see heaven. Now, I'm sitting there, and I have one of these uh, jigamorandies, jiggers. what do you call them? Isn't, aren't they awesome things? I mean, when your hearing drops a little, and you young people it will someday, I can think, I didn't hear that, so I can just back up and hear it again. I didn't back it up because I didn't hear it. I backed it up because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And, and, and so I backed it up and I watched it again and I listened to it again. And, it, and it, it's like it struck me right here in the heart. I wanted to object to what this character has said. Only one guarantee. 
Neither of us will ever see heaven. I, I wanted to object, but the who? I was alone in the room. And why would I object? I mean, come on, it's just a story. What difference does it make? But I wanted to, I wanted to all alone in the room, and I wanted to stand up and declare that no one, no one that you know and no one that you've ever met is beyond the redemption of Jesus Christ. And so I say it. Yes, go ahead. Three or four of us could clap. That would be a good thing. No one is beyond redemption. No one. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, if you've only memorized a few verses in all the Bible, you probably know this one, but God showed his great love. Let me say it another way. God showed his high favor for us by sending Christ to die for us. Don't you love the next words in that verse? After we turned to him and said we were sorry. That is not what it says. It says Christ died for us. You know it. While we were still sinners. Someone could say amen there. That'd be a good place. We didn't deserve his favor. Yet while we were still rebels, he favored us. Seems impossible, doesn't it? You can't earn it. You can't earn his favor. I need to mention this just before we leave this first point. You need to understand this. Mary, some people think that God chose Mary because she was perfect. No. You may say, well, would you show that to us? Sure I will. Mary didn't earn God's favor. The words spoken to Mary, you were highly favored, were spoken to her while she was still confused, still disturbed, and couldn't believe that she, as a virgin girl, could possibly mother the Christ child. Isn't that amazing? And yet the words are spoken to her. You are highly favored. Grab onto that simple truth tonight. Say it. I am highly favored. Say it. Oh, you didn't say it like you meant it. Say it again. And I agree. Yes, you are. Here's number two. Here's the second impossible. You can change. You can change. My point is this. You can be different than you are. If there's some part of you you don't like, you can change, you know. You can defeat that habit, maybe even an, addic an addiction that's had you bound for years. You can change that temptation, maybe that comes back to you again and again. And it seems every time it comes back again and again, it wins again and again. I'm saying to you, you can change. Maybe it's something not so obvious to the whole world, like a critical spirit. Maybe you're a pessimist. No matter what comes up, no matter what opinion, you find yourself expressing a pessimistic opinion every time, all the time. You can change. You have a tendency to doubt. Maybe you have a tendency to doubt even what I'm teaching, preaching to you tonight. You can change. Yes, you can. Is there some secret sin that you have in your life, you can change. It was Will Rogers, I think, that said those rather famous words, people change but not much. And we all smile and say, now isn't that the truth? Because who in this room hasn't said something like this? Oh, he'll never change. He's always been that way and he always will. His father was like that and he's just like his dad. Have you ever said anything like that? Well, I have. I'm sorry, but I have. Listen to me. When you say things like that about 
someone, they'll never change. By your lack of faith, you become a significant factor in assuring that they never will change. Because you have obviously no faith to believe that God can make that change in that person. You can change. Let me take you to the scripture and prove this point now. Upon hearing angel Gabriel's greeting, you are highly favored. Mary was confused and disturbed, afraid. And when told she'd give birth to the Messiah, although a virgin, she could not believe it. And then she was told this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And at that moment, she realized that she couldn't change. Staying with me now. But the Holy Spirit in her could change her. And he did. Because the next verse reads, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And she was changed. Verse 31 says, you will have a son, Jesus. And as you all know, we've been celebrating it all evening so far. She did have that child. You ever heard this, this, uh, these words? Sounds nice and it's true. He came to live with us. So that we could one day go and live with him. I like that. That's the essence of the gospel. But listen. You hearing me now? He has so much more in mind for you and me. Than just to take us to heaven someday. So much more in mind. He became like us. So we could become like him. That's the greater plan. He's in the business of doing makeovers. He really is of making us like himself. Over these next weeks, I, most of us will watch some version of A Christmas Carol, won't you? There's about 20 versions of A Christmas Carol out there, based, of course, on Charles Dickens' book by the same title. And, and we all know, and we're all familiar with the story. And you know what the story is, don't you? It's the redemption, the story, the the heart of the story is, is the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge, a man who was radically changed, though we're not given much reason why he was changed. Scrooge, a miserly, heartless man who thrives on the despair of others. That's what he is when the movie opens. No pity for the unfortunate. His heartless tirade at the gentleman who came collecting for the poor is a damning indictment of his character on being told, well, if you don't give to the poor, they will probably die. Remember his response in the movie or the book? If they do, if they would rather die, maybe they should and reduce the surplus population. What a heartless cad this guy was. But you know the story, don't you? And we love the story. We love stories of people who are changed, transformed. Scrooge became a changed man, kind, generous, loving, and a second father to the children of his employee, Bob Cratchit. Just a great story. Ah, uh, but someone here is thinking that that's just a story. Didn't really happen. Missing my point here, if you're thinking that. Oh, yes, it does. Every person, hearing me? Every person who, like Mary, who, like Mary in the story, will say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you want to do in me happen. Every person who will pray that prayer and mean it can be radically changed. It's an amazing thing. It can happen. It's possible. Yes, it is. One more. Here's the third. The one more thing that some think is impossible, 
but it isn't. Here it is. You can handle whatever life hands you. Yes, you can. You ever done that? Boy, if that happened to me, I isn't she doing amazing? If that happened to me, I couldn't handle it. Yes, you could. You just don't know it yet. Back to verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Those words spoken to Mary, that's a foreshadow of the experience of every believer today. You understand this, don't you? The Holy Spirit lives in every believer. If you're a child of God and here this evening, the Holy Spirit lives in you, transforming you and empowering you, not so much to prevent life's storms, but to enable you to handle the storms that you inevitably and inevitably will face. I'm not saying that God doesn't sometimes remove the storms. Sometimes he does, but most times he helps us ride them out. So think of Mary now. You with me? Highly favored Mary. Let's go ahead 33 years from that first Christmas. You remember where she was 33 years later? Standing at the foot of the cross, the precious infant, the Messiah, the promised Savior of all mankind is now hanging on the cross. That's the infant from the manger that's on the cross. All the joy, all the, all the joy of that first Christmas for Mary on that day had to be just a dim memory from the past. And there stands Mary looking up at Jesus on the cross. You suppose she turned to disciple John and said, you think? And I thought I was highly favored. I don't think so. No, why do I think that? Well, way back that first Christmas, sometimes we don't read far enough in the Christmas story to get to this fact. Near the end of the Christmas story, we'll come to this in a couple of weeks. That first Christmas when the shepherds returned from their visit to the stable, rejoicing and praising God. And that's often where we end the Christmas story, but we shouldn't oughta, because the next verse says, Mary treasured all these things that had happened and thought about them often. And one of the things I have no doubt that Mary was thinking about on that first Christmas was Messiah's, was Isaiah's words about the coming Messiah, written hundreds of years before that baby was born, Bethlehem's baby was born. Do you know what Isaiah wrote about him? Mary would have known this. He was wounded and crushed. For our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we are healed. I'm sure that's one of the things that Mary pondered in her heart. She knew life would hand her trouble. And what'd she do? She handled it. So can you. Sunday afternoon. It'll be three weeks tomorrow since I baptized Mary Randall. If you were here two weeks ago, I showed a picture on the screen of the slide of me baptizing her in her apartment. She got a death sentence in August saying she might have a year. She didn't. This past Monday, I was called Monday about noon. Kathy came into the office and said, or Tuesday maybe, uh, the family has called. She was at the hospice and said, 
they're calling for you to go to be with her. So when I, I went in and I thought she wasn't conscious, but when I took her hand, she gripped it, my hand tight, smiled at me and even said, my, you have a big hand. Dying, obviously, down to the very end. And as I quoted scripture to her that day, now when this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that is when we die, 2 Corinthians 5, 1, we have an eternal house in heaven not made by human hands. And she's smiling at me this whole time. So very peaceful. And about seven hours later, she was gone. Guess what? Mary, she's spending Christmas in heaven this year. Here's my message to you. Like Mary, the mother of Jesus that we've been reading about, like Mary Randall, you can handle whatever life handles you. You are highly favored. Do you believe it? It's true. You can change, if you will, if you allow the Holy Spirit to change you. You can handle whatever life handles you. Impossible, you say. What's that verse again? Say it to me. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. Well, that was a poor practice. Let's say it again. Thank you. You know what? My friend Pearlie, he didn't do any magic. If you got him by himself, he'd say, oh, there's no such thing as magic. It was, he would say, it's all, he wouldn't show you how he did it, but he would admit that it was all sleight of hand. When he got you looking that way, and while you were looking that way, he was over here doing something different. While one hand was doing this, his other hand was up to something. He played tricks on us, in other words. Pearly didn't do magic. Now you hear this before we sing. God really does do miracles. It really happens. He favors us. Every person under the sound of my voice, God loves you more than you can ever imagine. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you more. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. He loves you, and he'll change you. He'll transform you, but he's such a gentleman. He'll only transform you as you give his indwelling spirit permission to do the work. And he, with his spirit in us, enables us to live, you hearing my words? To live life to the full no matter what that life may bring your way. Need a miracle? We're going to sing just a moment before we do that. Ruthie, you can start to play there if you want. Let me pray for you. Father, there are people under the sound of my voice tonight. That's a hard truth. They're not really sure that you highly favor them. And so, Father, that person that struggles with that, they think... Your major attitude towards them in these days is disgust. Oh, God, help them to see how very much. This moment right now, help them to sense your great love for them. And, Father, there are people here who have been struggling with something in their life, and, and they think it'll always be this way. It'll never be different. This is what I am. This is who I am. Father, help them to understand this great truth, that your spirit that you placed in them has the power to transform them if they'll permit it. 
And as you work in us, Father, when we see those people out there in our world who've gone through tragedy and sickness and bereavement, and we think, I could never do it. Father, help us to understand that your spirit in us will enable us to handle whatever life handles us. I pray miracles on people here in this place that need a miracle tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.